Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the third and last snippet of our conversation with Lisa Dukes, where we talk about what Lisa do in details in her daily job. Lisa has had almost 20 years of experience in complex corporate organizations, amassing endless experience in innovation within Treasury, corporate finance, and also derivatives. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is Dukes and King and what they do, Lisa's committee's role and the FX Global Code of Conduct that Lisa is working on, a use case of a project she did for a client that is directly linked to risk management in such events, and much more. Lisa is honestly quite impressive. The conversation might get a bit technical at some point, but we made sure with Usam to summarize and translate into our own words each section of the episode. Also, if you are rather new to Treasury, we highly recommend you to listen to the following episode so you can have a better understanding of the different terms we tackle in this one. Episode 8 to episode 14 of the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. There are short episodes between 5 and 10 minutes and provide a high-level overview of what is financial risk management, the different types of it, where they come from, and how to mitigate them. Last notes before diving into our fascinating and last snippet of the conversation with Lisa. We are now on LinkedIn. If you would like to reach out, suggest a topic, ask a question, or simply say hi, we will be more than happy to have you. Just look for Corporate Treasury 101. That will be us. With all that being said, please welcome Lisa Dukes. Lisa, thanks a lot for walking us through both the downfall of the SVB, uh, the impact for corporate treasurers, the lessons they can draw and learn from it. How about uh, you tell us a little bit more about you? Um, what do you do at Dukes and Kings? How do you help corporate treasurers in regards to corporate treasury in general? But I think you, you guys are, are really focused on end-to-end innovation and optimization. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I'm not sure we've got time to give you the full lowdown on what DK do, but I'll uh, try to give you a few sound bites and helpful snippets. Sounds great. So, so I'm joined in DK by Chris King, perhaps in the name. Uh, we worked yeah. together. Quite we convenient. Have, it, it was, yeah. Um, so we worked together for a long time, and between us, we have over 40 years of corporate finance experience between us which is mainly focused on developing and implementing innovative structures across a range of corporate finance activities. But our core focus falls into two key areas. Firstly, using derivatives and financing structures to enable or accelerate strategy that would cover the use of pre-hedging approaches to M&A and, and near-term financing, for example. We also think about capital structure, including working capital, more holistically than perhaps normal. And by that, I mean thinking about the business strategy. There's a focus on growth. There's typically two key aspects. Firstly, organic growth consumes cash through working capital. And we consider what could be done now to mitigate that. And then secondly, where there's growth through M&A, looking at reducing the need for equity in part or even in its entirety, which is usually considered very helpful. And building up a, a working capital arsenal takes time uh, and typically needs some lateral thinking and consideration of wider stakeholders. 
But ultimately, whatever route we do, we're trying to bring together the business objectives and map that out to changing financial markets to optimise the outcome. And that will usually, but not always, be looking at approaches beyond the traditional, considering options, both bought and sold, to help facilitate more bespoke credit-efficient structures that address the business's risk profile. We also focus a lot on the future trajectory uh, and where the business could be, seek to manage future risks and seek to put the business in a position of strength, or at least not in a position of weakness. So... I understand from uh, the list of activities you have and you do, you must have quite some work lately. <laughs> <laughs> there has been quite a lot of interest in what we do and um, we've got some great connections and uh, relationships across uh, markets, which uh, is, is very encouraging and we're working with some great corporates at the moment. Makes a lot of sense. I read somewhere that you guys are on the FX Global Code of Conduct Committee. That sounds very prestigious and fancy. What, what does that mean and what do you do there? So in 2020, I became a member of the UK's FX Joint Standing Committee and that's chaired by the Bank of England. And in 2022, I was appointed as the UK's private sector representative of the Global FX Committee. And for both committees, I'm an advocate and voice for the corporate buy side and uh, an active in encouraging my fellow treasurers and corporates to understand the benefits of adopting the FX Global Code of Conduct. Now, for those that don't know, the FX Global Code um, is a great example of how we can scrutinize ourselves in the way that we operate. It doesn't look to impose any adi additional legal or regulatory obligations. But instead, it's there to promote integrity and an effective function FX market, which it does by applying a single code proportionately for each market user, whether that's buy-side corporates or sell-side banks, where actually some of the principles are more applicable. In my view, there's a four key benefits for corporates to get involved, and that's it, it provides a proportional best practice framework, a governance structure that everyone can use and look to without it being regulation. It's a one-stop shop for a policy build, which is always helpful for treasurers. It helps set aspirations or areas that can be developed or targeted as companies grow or change. And it's a great tool. Um, it's a great training tool for new members of the team. And it gives boards and shareholders, any stakeholders, actually, the comfort that the right governance is in place. By signing up, you're evidencing a deeper investment in governance um, and making sure that all employees have the correct level of knowledge. And it also helps level the playing field, giving corporates and the wider buy side uh, a more equal voice. So I would encourage anyone to find out more. Uh, where FX is concerned, it's the G and ESG where, I, where I'm concerned. We will definitely put all the links in the description so people can get know and, and check them out. Can you maybe walk us through, uh, I guess it would be more related to Jukes and King, but if it's if it can be linked to the FX Global Code of Conduct, with great pleasure. Can you walk us through a use case maybe of a project you did for a client or an entity related to risk management? Sure. I suppose a, a recent example would be managing capital structure, interest rate management, probably quite apt to help mitigate near-term covenant pressures. We looked at structures to ensure near-term earnings were protected and used option volatility, which was high, to generate value to better protect the nearer term, uh, utilising the longer term accepted risk. 
we're able to look at structures significantly below market reference rates to give them that near-term certainty, which worked very well in the situation and importantly created a great deal of long-term stability for the business to then focus on other processes in the knowledge that the near-term rates were secured. So that's the type of almost bespoke project or, or, or things that we look at. It's really looking for um, solutions to very specific risks that a corporate might be facing, or fund for that matter. Lisa, anything else you would like to add on the different topics we touched upon? No, I don't think so. I think it may be helpful to summarise. Um, if you haven't noticed already, things have changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, volatility is on the increase, so be aware of that in your approach to sensitivities, but also consider how you approach markets and time and timing are even more critical than normal. Many market participants and uh, commentators are signaling that the next 12 months or so will be very challenging and we're likely to see periods of distress. So it's key to start planning for that now whilst there is still some relative calm in the markets. So maybe a few things to consider there. Um, look at evaluating liquidity needs today, but also in 12 to 18 months from now, uh, perhaps look at refinancing early to remove that risk. Yeah. Remember to consider what market phase we're in, in any approach to the market. Review policies, procedures and controls now to, to make sure that you could survive a downturn. Prepare for what you would do in that event, because being prepared is usually half the battle. Also, evaluate whether you've got the right team and resource to get you through a challenging period, but the required skill sets are usually quite different. I think the final wrap-up is to plan early. If there's still time, we should be nimble and attentive to markets, while still considering the status quo, but remembering that different periods, different markets mean different risks and different approaches. So it might not make sense to be rigid as to what's been done in the past. Most of all, have fun and try and learn something new, even though it might be challenging. Yeah. Okay. Super clear. Thank you so much. Um, if people would like to know more about you, uh, Dukes and King, or the FX Global Code of Conduct, where should they go? I think it's the first point if they reach out to me or us on LinkedIn, um, mm -hmm. we can connect from there. That's perfect. And we'll put all the links into the show notes of the episode. Lisa? Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you.